Hello listeners, before diving into today's episode, I wanted to share a few ways you can go deeper with the ideas I talk about in this podcast and support my work. The first is my book, The Pathless Path, which many of you have probably already heard about, but if you haven't purchased it already, I really think you'll love it. The second is The Pathless Path Community, which I just opened up as a one-time pay-what-feels-right access fee. And in that group, you can meet hundreds of other people from around the world on unconventional paths like me. Finally, I'm working on a second book tentatively called Good Work, which is going to explore my deeper relationship with work and how that led to a lot of the transformations in my life. You can follow along in my newsletter, Pathless, which you can also find a link to that in the show notes if you want to learn more about that. Without further ado, let's dive into the show. Welcome to The Pathless Path. I'm Paul Millard, and in this podcast, we examine the invisible scripts that run our lives and dare to imagine new stories for work and life. Welcome to The Pathless Path. Today is a special episode. I am interviewing my favorite all-time guests I've had on the show. Also happens to be my roommate and my wife and the future mother of our baby. Excited to dive into this today. Welcome to the Pathless Path, Angie. Thank you, Paul. I thought it's going to be like a mutual conversation, like we're equals. You're not interviewing me. Well, you don't ship your Angie Creates, so we got to put it out in Pathless Path first. No, I mean (laughs) like I thought we're going to be in a conversation instead of me doing most of the talking. But before we start, I want to ask, like, are we allowed to be as playful as we want in this conversation or... Yeah, why not? Because you look kind of nervous right now. <laughs> I just get in, uh, yeah, something to explore. <laughs> uh huh. Okay, let's do it. All right. So last time we talked, uh, you uh, were talking about your creator's journey. Um, you were about one year into it. It was in Mexico. This is just about when art and creativity started to explode for you. Um, I think you had a lot of stories in your head about what you should be doing. Uh, I think a lot of it you were also trying to copy like sort of my path and make it your own. Um, what's happened uh, with your creator journey? And we'll get to all the fun stuff later. Mm-hmm. Um, by the, yeah, by the way, like that video, every time I look back and watch that video on YouTube, I was just a man, so much struggle. Like Angie struggled so much at that time. Like she's just like she has no clue where she's going. She has all the things that she wanted to do, and she's afraid of doing. Like what is she doing? <laughs> so I'm so glad that I'm out of that Angie mode now. Um, so at that time, I think I just started my podcast for like six months, and we are in the third country of nomading. Um, I had this cohort-based course about fitness theory that I want to build, but never really. Never really take any action. And after that, when we go back to Taipei, I started the building the building the course. Um, we finished the course around summer. And instead of feeling super proud of myself, I was like, oh, wow. Like in Chinese, we have a saying that we, we put a stone in our heart down finally. Like we finally let something go. So I feel like I can finally move on instead of, oh, I did something I'm super proud of. And that that's something that I should really tap into, like just listening to my heart. And so at that time, I was like, okay, I finally can be can move on from this for the next chapter of my life. 
I probably don't like fitness as much as I thought, but what should I do? <laughs> we we had <laughs> we had a lot of fight, we had a lot of fights because I would just tell you to quit this. Yeah, I remember when we, when I was just a trainer in Taipei and in our in our small tiny twelve ping studio in Nangang area, and then we'll be in the living room. I will just be just coming back from coaching from the gym, and then I'll listen to Paul said to me, "One day you are going to move on from this fitness thing." And I found out you were actually curious about other creative stuff, and I was like, "This man had no idea what he's talking about," <laughs> but he's always right. Gotta tell you, he's always right. Well, I just have. I think I'm desperate uh, in my own life and seeing other people for them to do things they really want. It was very clear early on you didn't actually like fitness. I think you left the tech world and you really wanted to make the next thing work. You want you wanted to prove yourself. Like you also wanted to like you wanted. You had this bet. You were telling people, "Oh, fitness, fitness! I love fitness." And then you're doing it, and your heart wasn't in it. And it was hard for me to see. I hated seeing that.、Um, and it was cool to see you do the podcast on the side of the fitness, because that's when you came alive. Not because of fitness, but because you love asking questions and learning.、Mm-hmm. I want also. I will. I will l- later. I will continue to talk about what happened. But I wanted. I wanted to. S- I I want I want to like talk about this painful passion versus abundant passion part. So I feel like I still love fitness, and then looking back, I absolutely don't hate fitness. I like I got so fired up, like the blood is brewing in my bone. Blood probably is not like going inside of them, but <laughs> what I mean is, I feel so like. Freaking passionate when I talk about fitness stuff. Even nowadays too, when someone asks me a random question about fitness, I just say, "No, this is the way to approach it." And you can also talk about this and looking from this nervous system aspect, blah blah blah. Like it will still be in my life, a, a huge part of me for the rest of my life for sure. But it's a painful passion. It's something that I struggle from the from the side of scarcity. Like I always feel like I'm not good enough to coach people. I always feel like there's so much about human body. That is unknown, and I I will never be able to like a hundred percent solve the chronic pain. I will never be able to like be the be the type of coach who just is so confident and not have any uncertainty about human body at all. And so, like talking about fitness is always driven from scarcity from me for me. So after after I'm done with that course. I was done with that course. I started to work with Rob Hardy to coach me in exploring the new direction、um, of my creative journey. I started experimenting on writing online more seriously. I、um, submitted my article about transitioning from a digital nomad to like settling down potentially in a city in the states. Like, what what is like what's the story that told me?、Um, And after that, we moved to the states together. I struggle to find a job in a corporate world because I have narrative that we can talk about later. I have a narrative that in order to be seen as a successful, lovable human, I need to work in a corporate world in the states. Even though I don't think so when I'm nomading or in Taiwan, I join Rattle Passage. I start creating again. I start working as a freelancer, and that's where I am now. Awesome. So yeah, our last interview we were in Mexico. You had.、Um, And I'll link that below.、Um, we were 
So we're in Mexico. We're like a year into the journey. You had a lot of like stuff you were trying to figure out. You went on this like travel around with me, trying to create your own work. Hadn't really found something, struggled to make money. So 2021, you go back to Taiwan. Um, I'm like still doing my thing. I still have no idea what I'm doing, trying to figure out my things. Like, But I'm making money. You're, you launch your fitness course. Um, you sort of realize, okay, this is like my final complete release of fitness uh, what was that like like letting go of something you started like your podcast you didn't even let go of until 2022 um, and sort of rebranded but what was it like like going into fitness thinking like this is my thing and then having to release that mm-hmm. um so i actually didn't completely release it until this January. So what happened is I created a course and then the money just coming in and I was like, what? Wh- how, much wow. mo- how much money did you make? Um, so I made, I think like around 7,000 for my first cohort, which is around like 40, 30 to 40 seats for my first cohort. And that's pretty amazing. For Taiwan. Um, yeah. Yeah. Given like the Taiwan cost of living and average salaries, that was pretty incredible. Uh huh. And you were like, this is incredible at first, right? But like, right. It was incredible for like maybe a few weeks until another fitness influencer friend I have also launched her course, a self paced one for 700 bucks and sold out 200 seats in three nights. And I feel like a completely failure. Why though? Because like, I, I, I only measure myself in terms of the money I earn and the seats I sell. And I I feel so scarce all the time. Like all the marketing messaging I send out, I feel like I'm spamming people. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like like a sellout is how you call it. Yeah. Right. And even though the content I build is definitely like incompatible in the Taiwanese market. It's like super deep and like people said it was incredible, right? But yeah. like your heart just wasn't in that creator journey, you're saying? Right. But like, I mean, I spent so much time um, in building a course. Like I I work, I work like, I don't know, like 16 hours a day and I sleep like four hours a day while, while we were doing the lunch. And so it's impossible to say, okay, I completely move on just because I feel like, oh, actually, I don't feel proud of it. So I still hold on to it while doing experiments on the side until we need to run our second cohort. And at that time, I'm already in the States. I feel super disconnected from keep creating something only in Chinese while most people who I hang out with or know of in the States do not know the content that I'm creating about. And I was trying very hard again to try to promote our second cohort Exactly because I'm started creating, started to experiment, experimenting with writing online, the abundance feeling of writing creates such a huge contrast of the scarcity of like doing stuff around fitness. And at that time, my co-founder is like, "Oh, I'm busy too. Like, let's see how much we can, how how many people we can recruit this cohort. I'll try my best, but I don't know what will what will lead what this will lead to." And when we didn't get enough sign up for the first few weeks, I just, 
<laughs> I just gave up. I give my when when I when I was starting working with Rob Rob Hardy, he gave me a very good suggestion. He said, "Why don't you set a deadline to reevaluate if you still want to do the finished stuff next year?" For me, that deadline was around January. I think it's January. So that deadline came. It showed up, pop up on my calendar. I look at the signed up, and I just told my co-founder. I say like, "Sorry, I just don't think I can do this anymore. I feel totally disconnected." And then he said, "Yeah, I feel the same too. Let's just move on." And then this is just turning to a self-paced course, and then not do anything about it. Instead of, I, I thought I would feel shame. I thought I would feel humiliated when I when I give him this proposal. But when he said yes, I was like, "Finally, <laughs> finally, finally, we're moving on." What and yeah, what? Why do you think it takes you so long to let go of some of these things? Like I, I think one of one of my strengths is being able to like quit a lot of stuff, and um, I don't know. I, I don't really know. I have a hard time understanding why people wait so long doing things. It took you so much courage to put something like a product, like a sellable product, onto the market. Yeah, and then people, or at least me, put so much of my self worth onto. That product that I launched too. So if I tell people, "Hey, we're we are turning to self-paced," that means that I'm declaring I am a failure, that I'm not a successful creator, and then I feel. And I think that's why it's so painful for me to think about the word quitting. But the truth is, I just feel so much at ease after I really quit. Nice. You're so hard on yourself too. I know. I like I turned my course into a self-paced course, um, and I like ran away from. A cohort-based opportunity, which was probably higher, but I sort of always design it around like, okay, I want a simpler life. I mean, like, I'm. St- what? I always wonder, like, don't you like? I feel like you always are like reframing what I do. Like the struggles I have is like I'll pause everything, figure it out. <laughs> how do, how do you filter like observing me and like integrating it into your journey? I don't. I just have my own narrative. <laughs> It's amazing how you think your partner is one person until you read their book and then you read their newsletter. I was oh, that's what he means when he says that. And you only read my newsletter if there's a picture of you. Mm-hmm. I, well, what I do is I I open his newsletter. I control F to see if there's any entry <laughs> mentioned in the newsletter, and scroll down to see if there is any picture, and then. What?、Decide. So, that was all in Taiwan. You abandoning the fitness thing. I spent most of the year writing my book. We moved back to the states in October. We spent a couple months in New York. Then we go home for the holidays, <laughs> and、um, eventually move out to Austin. What would I know? Like moving to the U.S. was pretty scary for you. What was your imagination of it? Like in my mind, I was like. We sort of have to do this. I have a sense that Angie being exposed to like my friends, some of my networks, is going to be great for her. I'm also <laughs> extremely optimistic. I can't even imagine like bad scenarios happening. I'm just like, oh, everything's going to be great. What were you thinking、um, as we were moving to the U.S.? I said, "That's that's the destiny you choose. <laughs> that's the fate.、You're、just gotta suck it up, baby." So it's not very optimistic. It's not. That's the most optimistic version. I can tell you other versions I have. Well, what were the worst case scenarios? Um, 
we got divorced and <laughs> I go I go to travel around Southeast Asia By and yourself. I become this hippie for the rest of my life. Yeah, all all your worst fears always end up with me abandoning you and you'll tell me these things and I'm like, are we if even fighting? <laughs> <laughs> um, where does that, I mean, where does that come from? Is that just some of your culture growing up? No, I think it's just me or at least... Um, I notice some some pers some types of people are like me who is always like I think like okay now I already move on from the trauma framework but before I used to think that if you don't get enough love and attention in a certain way as a kid then you are always trying to move on first to compete with a person that might abandon you so you won't get hurt and so for me that's always the the mindset I have in dating before I met you is like. All right, like I am giving myself out too much. Time to cut it off so I won't get hurt. So like when we were dating, I'm always practicing you abandoning me. <laughs> But that never works. You just wouldn't let me go. You're like, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. So, I mean, are you feeling better now? Yeah, I feel having better a now. Kid, after kid having together. a kiddo. <laughs> having a kiddo, ha having, being pregnant is a game changer. I highly recommend it. Everyone <laughs> to get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right let's let's get to being well, let's just talk about that now um right i think it makes sense to talk about shifting back to the u.s first because you it was hard you went all in on applying for jobs and really struggled um you had a lot of like early calls applying to like tech companies last winter and like really just trying to figure out the language of communicating in the u.s um what was that like like it was hard to see you go through that like i wanted i wanted to just like give you part of my brain and like fast track you through this mm -hmm. stuff but i knew like you just had to like get go through the motions have a bunch of calls meet a ton of people and like you have and you've come out of the other side of that what is it what was it like those first few mm -hmm. months looking back community is very important we will talk about rite of passage later <laughs> but <clears throat> The reason, so I think my English level is the same as seven years ago. It didn't change, but I feel much, much more confident now, as you can probably tell the differences between our previous episode and this episode. I think you're just as eloquent in the last episode. <laughs> uh, I'm, according to our friend, I'm very eloquent about my vulnerability, which is <laughs> nice. still a weird way of describing a person. But I wanted to say that. Before I know any creative weirdos in Austin, the only community I have in the States is your family. Yeah. And um, for me, what is successful in a traditional American society, like a mainstream society or in, in your family is to earn a lot of money. <laughs> and I, then be... My family is filled with a lot of successful knowledge mm -hmm. workers working in full-time jobs. I am like the biggest weirdo in my family. Okay, but like I, I, I thought, I think you have, you have a past because, I mean, you were born in this family and yeah, you right. are American, so you get to be weird. But I'm not like, I'm not even, I'm not even an immigrant. I'm just like a half-ass immigrant, I'm like in between <laughs> immigrant and a Taiwanese. And What does that mean? What do you mean? I, I'm not an American citizen. Yeah. But And you're not like a full immigrant, you're saying? You, yeah, I mean, it's like citizenship cheap, cheap mode by coming in through with my family. Cheap mode? What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, like a little easier than uh, like. I mean, you're not doing like the first gen immigration immigrant thing where you're like just coming with nothing and scrapping by. 
I am first gen, but I don't have to scrap by. That's yeah. it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <clears throat> so in order to fit into the community of your family, this is your narrative. <laughs> right. Nobody's telling you this, right? I like. I need to find a job. I need to find a corporate job. I need to be able to tell people what company I'm working at. And I'm also just so fed up with like launching, launching something, sending out like tens, tens, twenty, thirty emails. Get it. Get like a few signed ups. Like I'm so fed up with like scraping by those creator money. I want to be able to be experience a a team where I can talk with every day and then be paid a certain amount of salary again. Yeah, and yeah. that that's the only way that I will define myself as successful in the states. And you applied to tons of jobs and got. Rejected from nearly all of them, which I think was hard. Yeah, because like, like the first question all the recruiters will ask me is, "So tell me about your podcasting. Like, how does it fit into your resume?" Right. Or if I refer you to hiring manager, you gotta tell them you gotta have a story of this three years that you wandered off from your user research journey and stuff. And that was like super painful for me because they are all sides of me instead of valuing my. My 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 dedication into my creative journey. I have to frame it in a way that is not a distraction of something else, which is not fair. Yeah, yeah, it's <clears throat> it's hard. I mean, I've told you this, but you don't ever buy that I struggled. <laughs> um, before I left my job, I kept applying for jobs, and like I didn't fit any anyone's box. I was like, "You're past the consulting. How can you do this? You don't fit." Like. It was all that, and like eventually, I had to take my own path.、Uh, but it was hard seeing you. I just wanted you to get an opportunity with a company or a team,、um, and I'm glad you're pursuing freelancing now because I think that's probably a better path for you because you have such diverse interests and so much to offer.、Um, but I, yeah, it, it sucked seeing you not land a job because I know you would have. You're the fastest learner I've ever seen. Thank、um, you. And <laughs> do you believe me when I say that?、Mm-hmm. I'm pretty fast. <laughs> you, like it's pretty mind blowing. You level up so quick.、Um, and sometimes I'm probably like challenge you, but、mm-hmm. I don't know. You are so capable, and it's it's hard as the partner seeing someone that you believe in so much. I'm wired like this too with people. When I see people struggling, who I know are badass, it's like. Ah,、uh, you just want to like give them stuff you have. Thank you. <laughs> you like how I com- comfortably I take your compliment now. <laughs> that was good. Compliment <laughs> me more, more. <laughs> What um, yeah. How have you gotten better at taking compliments? That how, that was hard for you. Um. So being able to. <clears throat> So like people, people.、Um, I think if you're from Chinese culture, you know, like taking compliment was never an easy thing. Like you feel embarrassed, and you feel like you're forcing the other person to compliment you, which is a lose lose situation.、So、the best strategy of of being a, in a, like a Chinese culture relationship is don't compliment anyone. <laughs> don't don't criticize them. The the worst thing you can do is criticize them or compliment them in public. So that and then you make them have to deflect your compliments. You're like the worst friend a person can have. Just just like secretly judge them. It's totally fine. So that that's where I'm coming from. And I think to be 
able to 100% comfortably accept compliment, you have to be sure of your own existence too. You have to be believing yourself as a person who deserves to be loved and capable of loving other people. And it wouldn't be possible without a community that 100% accept who you are. I'm building you a role to like introduce right of passage. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out David Perel, who I think has created one of the coolest things. And like, I will forever be like a volunteer promoter of this course because I think he's created something special. I think an interesting way to talk about Rite of Passage is he gave you a lens to take compliments. Their framework and Dave, David and his team, the framework for how they think about feedback. And just like stepping back, like it's so cool to have something like rite of passage in the world because like it sort of takes a lot of the lessons. I don't know how to communicate to somebody else. Like I think I just pick up a lot of this stuff intuitively. Um, and the they've created so many frameworks. And to me, like... I think it's like an onboard onto like this generous, creative internet entrepreneurial U.S. culture. It's sort of like a great way to emigrate into the U.S. culture, no matter where you're from. Um, how how did that experience go for you? Mm-hmm. You joined this. This was like six months after moving to the U.S. in Austin. Like four months. Yeah. Hmm. Um. It was you almost didn't join. You were scared too. Yeah, I was. I was so scared when, when when I had a, when I had the opportunity to join Rite of Passage, I was like, I remember we were sitting in in our apartment in East Austin, and Paul was sitting on the sofa, and I was like, I was like half lying on the sofa and then half like rolling on the ground. I was like, I don't want to join. Like, what am I doing? I'm going to speak English with other English creators, like. I'm just going to shame myself to hell if I join this course. But like my, that's what my brain was telling me. But my God was telling me like, you better join this course. <laughs> I knew you were going to join. Well, I mean, <laughs> I want to join because I don't want to disappoint da- David. And that's a very Chinese perspective now that I think of too. Like, who cares? Yeah. Who cares if I join or no, not? <laughs> yeah, I remember you saying this, like, because um, you would talk to them. You had like a conversation about joining their team, and it, it probably wasn't the right time on your journey to do something in the like right that. position. Um, but yeah, you were like, David will be so insulted if I don't. I'm like, I, <laughs> no I don't one, think no David is going to spend any time thinking about this. <laughs> Wait, I didn't tell you something that I can tell you now. What? So like. I think a lot of times when you introduce me free <coughs> freelance opportunity, like I got scared not because I feel like I'm incapable of doing it, but because I feel like if I fail, then that will bring you so much shame. But I don't care. <laughs> yeah, and, and now I think like, I probably probably doesn't care either. Like this shame thing is so, this shame like coming from Chinese culture, it's yeah. so ingraining in me. Yeah, I think the default assumption here is like, everyone i we were talking about this the other day everyone sort of takes care of themselves so like if you give someone advice you expect them to do what's best for them like you don't like you don't give someone advice as like a weight over their entire (coughs) life and if they're they screw up 10 years from now it's all your fault and you are shamed for this forever um i think that's one of the good things about u.s culture is very loose and nobody expects what you say to be a weight over them um so more about the course you 
you get in the course, um, you were like terrified to start sharing your ideas, but then you share, you you publish, and you get helpful feedback from people you like put on a pedestal. You've written about this. I'll link up to your article, which mm-hmm. is awesome. But you put these people on a pedestal. Oh, they're so much better than me. They give you amazing feedback, and you're you had to deal with this cognitive dissonance of like uh, maybe I am pretty good. I think let, let's give the listener more context about Rite of Passage. So Rite of Passage is a five-week intense online writing course. It's a core-based course, meaning that you will be with a group of people. Hundreds of people. <clears throat> you, yeah, you'll be with hundreds of people. In, in my cohort, we have 300 people. And then the way they structure a course is Monday, you have to publish a draft of something you write about, and then you receive feedback from the whole community. And then on Wednesday, you publish your final stuff. And, and so I think like you, a, a, an organization is not equal to a community. An organization is you, have, you don't have to be vulnerable. You can like go to a meetup, um, meetup.com meetup, and then just like doesn't have to share anything vulnerable and then just leave the group anytime. You don't feel belonging. There's nothing invested. You're not emes- emotionally invested. You don't feel like they 100% accept you. But in right of passage, it's like, the way they structure their mentor session, they structure their prompt, just naturally make you feel like you want to share the the vulnerable stuff of you. Yeah, it's and like permission to to be, be vulnerable. Who, yeah, yeah, permission to me. To they be do you. they do a really impressive job of like creating the container for that mm-hmm. a safe space. And I think like that's something that I never experienced. Not even like not even in Taiwan. I never experienced the states and never experienced that in Taiwan. And like. Being able to show the vulnerable part of me and still see, like, share with imperfect English and still be celebrated and be accepted as friends. And then just seeing how the whole community is cheering for you is the the first time I realized, like, oh, wow, like, I can still be the weird self. Like, I don't have to be the corporate self to be a part of a really cool community. That was mind-blowing for me. Yeah, what so what do you think? I think it's a interesting community. It sort of like creates status for being brave and being vulnerable and, and being actually weird. and shipping. <laughs> Which you did and I think it was hard for you to ship those articles, but they sort of unlocked something in you. I saw after that like you that really changed your behavior. Um and you started like I think you, for the first time, like, you'd always be like, ah, I can't make money. And I was like, well, you, you don't really go after anything, <laughs> like freelancing. Um, but after that, you were, like, very open to opportunities. I had a friend, uh, Will Bachman, who, like, had this opportunity for, like, a Chinese speaker. And you were, like, freaked out, but you're like, screw it. I'm all in. I'm going for it. And that kind of, like, opened the door to, oh, maybe freelancing could be a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. I think because the way I feel like I can be vulnerable in this community, I go all out. Like, I don't have to hide certain part of myself. I don't think that my English will be a problem when I'm communicating with people. So I started hosting events within the community. And the, 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 the act of, like, being just a student to an event host is such a huge empowerment. Yeah. For for people like me who are, like, from other countries and studying, no, I mean, living in the States. And so, like, the experience of like working with other creators and hosting stuff like 
draw and challenge. It's such a simple act, but it made me feel so empowered and made me feel like, oh wait, I'm capable of doing stuff with other people in the states too. So you encouraged me to put out a Twitter thread about what I was doing before. And I think like a, a, a huge reason. So like, Rite of Passage is not just a writing course. It teaches you everything about being a creator on a creative journey. So one thing that Dave talked about is like personal monopoly. Um, I, I call it my personal thriving kingdom. <laughs> Basically, oh, the good. weird, like the weird wonky part of you could be your real strength. And for me, like when I was applying for corporate job. I always have to think about like, okay, how do I play down this curious podcast painting side of me to fit into their narrative? But now I realize that actually on the internet, people still value these weird, like these all parts of me. So I can just put out a, I call it an unconventional resume on my website, and knowing that there will be other creators who really value these different weird skills I have or curiosity I have. And so, like that's why, like I was willing to put out a Twitter thread without feeling that I have to hide part of me. Yeah, that's awesome, and people loved it. Like you've had a lot of uh, people reaching out to you based on that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that you were talking about the first thread y- or the current the, one. For, I mean, it's the same web page, right? And you keep updating right? it. You just keep putting everything you're doing on there, and you're not uh-huh. trying to hide or fit into a box. Uh huh. Yeah, what I realized is like also after I got my first few freelance experiences, I know I'm not a freelancer who has been like going on this like huge scale of project or been like twenty years of freelance experience. But I have some experiences. I have something I learned when I when I um doing that thread. At first, I was like, I have to be an expert because like I think there is a certain there is a certain way of talking on Twitter. Like you're offering, and here's what I learned. Here's what you can get from me. It's a very authoritative voice. So I'm very male energy on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> and so I was like, I don't want to be like that because, like, I, I'm still learning on my freelance journey. So, like, Paul was telling me what I can write, but I write my own version. Like, I want to write a vulnerable version, but still tell people that I learned something. I want to write something that is real, Angie. So if they see it, they won't feel like. So if they see and they like, they still contact me. That means that they like my energy. They like my way of approaching the world and the things. And then so I I was kind of surprised when I got lots of contacts after I put out the thread. And I think like the the weird the thing about being freelancing, at least is what I learned now, is like people have like creative people have all sorts of ideas of leveling out their stuff, but they don't have a recruiter to like help them post something a position on like. I don't know, like LinkedIn.com or <laughs> Indeed.com, and so like they. But if they they see someone that that is pop up on the internet on a Twitter, that they might have a good vibe working with, then they are willing to try. So it's really just when Paul told me when you told me that you gotta put yourself out there was a bullshit. But now I tell my friend you gotta put yourself out there. Give me a Twitter thread. I hope you share it. Yeah, I think we often look. To we don't want we're sort of scared to show up as ourselves, so we look f- at what other people have done as what we're supposed to do, right? And so we look at the most successful versions of things. We look at people sharing online, and like to be honest, there's a lot of cringe on Twitter of people posting these authoritative. Here's five things you need to be to be successful. I don't really vibe with a lot of those people. I'm more just like. 
here's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> and I just do that a lot and it's sort of easy for me and it kind of maps to how my brain works. Um, but people are desperate for the weirdos, what I've found. Um, increasingly, they want people who aren't going to play um, games. Yeah, so now you've sort of like stumbled into becoming a freelancer for course creators. I think you're really inspired by Rite of Passage and want to like help transform people through like live experiences, community-based things. Um, it's so scary for you though. I mean, talk to me about what you're up to now. Um, like today I was trying to summarize what I need from a client. And then I think like the challenge of being a second language, like English as second language speaker is like, there will be a, more back and forth than 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 I expected of like confirming what's the pain point of client and what I need, what resources are we collecting right now. But once we pass the confirmation page, like that's my time to like really just go all out and like shine and like helping them build a cool yeah. core based course or live events. I think this is a hard thing. I mean freelancing. It was hard for me. Mm -hmm. You may not believe that, but <laughs> It's hard. And then you, um, you see that now I'm stuttering. <laughs> I'm trying to put on another persona when I'm sharing my stuff again. You, yeah, you don't need to. Yeah. It's hard. It's There is a certain dance of like demonstrating you understand people's problems and can propose things to move things forward. Um, but at the end of the day, people also just want to work with humans. And like that's what I do with like my corporate clients. I just like unapologetically show up in like a t-shirt. And like if they don't like that, they don't have to <laughs> to work with me um but yeah let's so let's talk about the new chapter um talk to me about um getting pregnant we wanted to have a kid um really excited about this talk to me about what that shift was like for you mm -hmm. um i, I want to bring us back to the day of I found out I'm pregnant. <laughs> so we, 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 were, we, we were... July 4th, US holiday. July 4th, yeah. <clears throat> we, we just finished a road trip um, in California, and I was super exhausted. I, like, <laughs> fall asleep all the time. I was like, man, this road trip is more taxing when you're 30, huh? <laughs> and so I, I was in Connecticut, but at that time I was also like, there is a chance that I might be pregnant. So I was, yeah. I was like, I'm going to just play chill. <clears throat> When everyone is going on the parade, I will go with them to the town parade and I'll come back and I'll just like casually take out my pregnancy <laughs> test and casually test it because it, it's highly likely that nothing will happen. I don't want to put too much expectation on it. But like the thing is like after the road trip, the day we landed Connecticut, the first day at 6 a.m., I woke up, I was like, I'm not gonna wait. <laughs> <laughs> so I ran into the bathroom and then I felt like I found out I'm pregnant. And then so like I went right into the room and Paul was waking me up because, by me because I was so excited. I jumped onto the bed and I was like shaking him. And then I say like, <laughs> I'm going to be a mommy. I'm going to be a mommy. And he was like, how can you prove it? He still half asleep. And so I showed him the test and he was like, what's this? <laughs> I was so out of it. <laughs> it well, I, I took him like 10 minutes. To, like, I hadn't really seen me. any of your pregnancy tests at that point. Because they were all negative and you didn't show me any. Uh -huh. So I'm like, it's like, it's a COVID test? 5 a.m. I'm like, what the <laughs> is this? Um, yeah, it's, it's weird though. Because like, 
I mean, things are clearly shifting in your body, and it, obviously nothing has changed in my body. It's such a beautiful experience um, yeah, for you know, the woman. Um, I think I'm the lucky one. I do experience some like, uh, like, like emotional. How do you call it? Like emotional ups and downs. Emotional ups and downs. Like hormonal stuff in the first few months. You mean? Yeah, I'll, I'll remember the term later. <laughs> but yeah, I do experience that maybe just a few days for my first trimester. About morning sickness. No, not morning sickness. <laughs> but um, hormone swing, hormonal yeah, swings. Yeah. But like in general, I'm in such a good mental state as compared <laughs> to before pregnancy. And I think a lot of, probably a lot of women can resonate. Like PMS is freaking killing me. Not the part that it hurts, is it's okay. But the part that... Every every seven days in a month, I will be reminded that how crap, like what a crappy human I am. Like I'm a failure. I'm because absolutely, of the hormonal right, swings. Like right before yeah. menstruation, I will feel like no matter how much ambition ambition I have for the first three weeks, how much work I did, I'm just a loser for the first week. And if you experience that every month. There's really a firm narrative just rooted in your head. Like you are just a, like deep down you're a loser because you'll experience that very soon again, no matter how ambitious you are. But being pregnant, there is no menstrual cycle. I just feel ambitious, ambitious all the time. And it feels freaking awesome. And I think at the beginning I was like, I think I'm having a boy because I feel so masculine <laughs> now. Like I feel like I'm kicking ass in the world. I'm just like naturally a badass and that's what a boy feel like. We can have badass woman right and then I re- <laughs> and so like when i realized i'm having a girl and i was like that's what being a woman should feel like without that's all this awesome. hormonal shit like we should be like this this is our natural state and i think that really helps a lot on my freelancing and like creative journey as well just being confident all the time yeah and <laughs> so i mean we have a very weird approach to life i think a lot of people have a hard time understanding it but we both have like designed our lives around flexibility and having space to do like creative projects and stuff. How are you thinking about like your, I feel like you have a lot of pressure on yourself you, that you're putting on you to like have work figured out before the baby comes. Cause I, I think you realize you like challenge. You like some form of work. Maybe you don't want a full-time job, but like part-time consulting work could be, working for you so how are you thinking about that with like a few months left mm, that's the thing i will actually want to discuss with you <laughs> i actually was going to google like how to do how to how to plan your freelance journey as a pregnant mom <laughs> I, I wanted to google think, that i don't think there's a roadmap i think you need to figure this out on your own i well i think like it's just hard right both of us are um not we don't have cozy jobs with like paternity and maternity leave that's like very like paycheck world right they design their lives around this certain break that a company pays for and you go back and you have benefits but like we can sort of flex up and down our our work Mm -hmm. i think both of us have sort of decided okay like i think for me like i definitely want to take like the first month and see where i can be useful find our footing but my work's super flexible i can like up and down i can respond to emails still um but for you like you're like right at the edge of like a lot of stuff taking off um it feels like to me um which is probably frustrating 
to like not have that more settled. Um, but I, I think you're going to be okay. Cause like, I don't know, we can use daycare. I can, I can watch the kid. I've sort of built my life around being very available. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there, there's definitely certain like fear in me that I feel like I don't, I don't make full-time mom a choice. I'm a full-time mom because I have no choice and I'm mm-hmm. afraid that will come true. Well, you, you have like seven people trying to hire you right now. <laughs> but but still like, I don't know, like when, when, when all my other Prego moms are <laughs> telling me, oh, like I, I'm so glad that my company is paying me like this much when I'm going, going off to give birth to the baby. I just feel like, what about me? And like, will I be, I think the department is like, I love babies so much. Yeah. And I can fully imagine, I can totally imagine that I will be the like, imagement type of mom who cannot <laughs> let go of the baby even just one second. And I don't want to be that version of mom. Like I want to be able to thrive. Doesn't matter if it's in a company or like, or or in a creative team. Like I want, like, it's almost like I want to divide device a mechanism to force me to separate me from my baby mm. and but like i think now it's leaning toward like a little bit unhealthy kind because like every day i'm still thinking that i have to get a corporate job so then i will be forced you're not even applying for a corporate yeah, I know. jobs <laughs> I know, <laughs> how but are you gonna every one? day i was thinking about it still that's my shoot brain <laughs> listening to your heart not your shoot Angel. don't look, don't look, don't listen to shit um yeah but i i think you're putting a lot of pressure on this in the short term I would not bet against you over the next 10 years. Thank you. <laughs> um, and also, like, I think, like, being a full-time mother, like, the thing is, like, you're not never going to be a mother as your only thing. You, I leave you alone for four minutes and you're playing an instrument. You're doing capoeira. <laughs> you're working out. You're painting stuff. You have all these interests. Those are never going away. It's just really a narrative around money for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, it's really to, not to about... To me, like, all those things are worth doing. Who the hell cares if you make money or not? It I just mean, matters if we together have enough. I mean, I care I care when my mom said, like, so you let Paul do all the work? Isn't it too hard for him? I don't work that hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like... Yeah, that, that's... The, the that's whole, people have such a hard time understanding how I orient towards work. Most people's scripts of work are like, work is struggle, work is suffering. Like, my mother's even said to me, like, like I'm like, oh, I can just, like, take a day off whenever, help out, like, go help my brother move and stuff like that. She's like, you should just, like, work more. As if, like, me, as if, like, me sitting at a desk is going to, like, produce more income. Like, a lot of what I do is, like, breaks and then creative work, short bursts of energy. Um, it's a different way of like thinking mm-hmm. about work. Like work is not this struggle. It's like all. It's everything. I think one. I think like a part of me is like I want to be continue to be challenged and growing even after I have baby too. So it doesn't matter if it's creative project or like or like pay work. Like I don't want to not push myself. Like right now, I think. I think like maybe for art, I'm not pushing myself. Like I know I could be learning and growing, but I just keep doing the same thing that I was doing. And like, I, I don't want to for any reason for not growing. But that's, that's like, are you serious? That's a concern. Like, do you observe, observe what, how you spend no, your time? You're learning stuff all the time. 
You're liter- you're doing NLP coaching. You're hosting drawing for creators events. Um, you're free you're freelancing for for people. Um, you're doing like fitness stuff. Um, you're doing capoeira. Like you're doing all these things. That's the burden of having a super <laughs> optimistic, optimistic, <laughs> positive partner. They make you too content. Why? What do you mean too content? Push me. <laughs> no, you. <laughs> But you see pushing as like shaming you. I don't know how to do that. I think I feel like I I think I feel pushing. I think I see pushing and growth equals to feeling like shameful. Oh, my God. That's so unhealthy. I need to change that. I need to change that. Yeah. And like you're already sort of doing the things you need to be doing. Like everyone I know who's like actually doing things they care about um, is like pretty happy with that setup. You just sort of have to like trust that it's okay to be doing those things, mm-hmm. and that's where we get all our narratives and stuff. I um, I want I want to share with you one thing, and I want to ask you a question too. So <laughs> sure. remember, remember, I ordered this live calendar by Tim Urban. Yeah, where you have like. We you have rows and grids of every week you live till you're ninety. Yeah, one block is one week, right? Right. So, um, I ordered that when I was in Taipei. Before I quit my job and become a trainer, that's the way of like reminding me how little time I have in my life to be fuck around in the job that I don't like. Yeah. And so like that really pushed me. That really made me go all in in my career transition. And then so like I ordered that to push myself to apply for a corporate job again. Here. <laughs> I spent. I spent that's like, why you bought it. Again? I spent like fifty bucks. <laughs> To push me, I was like, just by looking at calendar, I would know that I have no time to fuck but, around in it. Listen to me, <laughs> and and so I will immediately land a corporate job to pay good money, and I'll feel confident about myself. And but what happened when I really see the calendar now is like, I was like, holy shit, I don't have lots of time left in my life. I need to do something meaningful. I need to do something that really is worthwhile doing. I need to do something that let me thrive. But w- and so you a- have things you're doing that are you're like on your way to like all these things that you are right, thriving. and that that's that's the that made me realize that these things that I'm doing right now is really worthwhile. What that's- I'm saying that is a huge contrast, like these the same calendar, different stage of nice. life, different reflection. So we have four more minutes before I go <laughs> on to my next potential client call, and I want to <laughs> ask you, it's I want to tell you it's been incredible to see you. T- be more ambitious in your work. Oh my god, I wanna cry. <laughs> I just wanna say like before. I feel so cliche cry on podcast. Donate link. Donate link under the podcast. <laughs> Why are you crying too? No, just like when we first met and I know like how like personal time is important for you and then you don't want to like say, you don't want to go back to the previous Paul and then I know you always have the fear of like you have to give up the life you have now your leisure your time of wandering around for something else and then have to work on some stuff you don't like and then so I feel like there is a there was a stage of where I see potential in you you can grow your business your strategy your pathless path but you're unwilling to hire people but after we start having baby you go all out and all the experiment you're super ambitious and then has that been was that, that a shift for me you think I don't know I, maybe I unconsciously did that 
I don't know. You just start. You just start experimenting with hiring people, and then you're really committed to producing videos and all the stuff. And I'm just like, super. I admire you so much, and I'm super grateful for what you do for the family too. Thank you. So, what has been? What? What? Has, what? What was the shift like for you after becoming a dad to be? I think it was a couple things. I think one was being in Austin and meeting other weird creators who are like fully alive and connected to their work. Um. And seeing them be ambitious in a way I think about ambition, but seeing they weren't like blowing up their life, and I was like, okay, maybe I can push a little harder. That was definitely the thread at the beginning of the year. I think others were signals from the universe. People seemed to like my book, um, and I'm like, okay, maybe I should pay attention to this. Also,、um, yeah, I think I became more aware of time after. You became pregnant because time is precious. If I can optimize and spend my time wisely and make faster decisions instead of dwelling on things for months, I can just hire someone, take action, test it, move on.、Um, that means more time with our daughter. Aww, that's <laughs> cute. And yeah, it's been really hard for me. Early on, I was so scared of creating another job for myself, and I was scared of ambition. Um, I was scared of asking for help too. I had this like I need to figure everything out on my own. Like it's shameful to ask for help, and like really tried to lean against that this year. And like the universe has rewarded me. I think I've just given a lot to to a lot of people, and um,、uh, maybe that's paying off. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's. I also just I don't want you to have to take a shitty corporate job. It could be a good corporate job. <laughs> I'm better at making money. <laughs> I mean, you can be thriving in many different possible. Yeah, for sure.、Life. For sure, but yeah, I, I think seeing our friends in Austin who are like thriving and not overworked themselves and just having like a way awesomer life than I could imagine. By working so hard too, and I was just like, wow, I didn't know that's a possibility, and that motivated me to work very hard too. Yeah, I think it's unique when you you've spent years. Oh, sorry, that's my Vipassana alarm. Try to. When you've spent years,、um, suffer sacrificing your soul in jobs you don't love for payoffs in the future, because that's what everyone else is doing. It is hard to trust that you can actually like your work.、Um, so I think that was a big shift for me.、Mm -hmm. Well, it's been a good conversation. <laughs> Awesome. Let's do another one before two years.、Sure. Um, shout well, out to Valerie Zhang, our biggest、uh, fan, who's been asking for this interview.、Um, yeah. Shout Yo, out Valerie. <laughs> If you want to check out Angie's stuff, AngieCreates.io. She is taking freelance clients. Also, if somebody wants to pay for maternity leave, she's also <laughs> open, open to that. Um, but yeah.、Um, I mean, you want to experiment with this, like us. Just like chatting.、Too. Yeah. So if you, so give you, us questions below. Yeah. Drop them. Uh huh. I was lighter, more play, playful、okay. this time, right? Drop them. <laughs> Alrighty. Alrighty. Adios. Adios. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Pathless Path. I love having these conversations, and if you want to support me, you can rate, review, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow me on YouTube, where I post all the video interviews of this podcast as well. Finally, you can always support me by buying my book, The Pathless Path. 
It's a book I'm really proud of and has most of my best thinking and probably my best writing in it. And you can get it for less than 20 bucks. So grab that. It's in the show notes. And thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the episode. I really appreciate the support and especially always love when people reach out letting me know what they think about the specific episodes. If you want to go deeper into Pathless Path World, you can, of course, check out my book. It's sold. It's going to hit 50000 soon. I think by the time you're hearing this, it will probably have already sold 50000 which is mind-blowing. But I continue all the support of people that buy and share the book. If you want to meet others on Pathless Paths, I have a community, which you can find at pathlesspath.com membership, and you can join and meet hundreds of others around the world trying to make sense of weird paths and meeting others along the way. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a good day.